hello, and welcome to episode 161 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Can we just take a second and talk about your black shoes, black pants, like black button-down, black tie? You like that? I, I got to look all spiffy this morning, man. You got, look, got you, new stuff going on. You look like you look like Men in Black or like Do I, an I, FBI or something. I'm like the evil Men in Black because <laughs> I, I switched out the white shirt for the dark one. You'll never know now. It's really <laughs> true. No, you look nice. Oh, well, thank you. One nice thing in an otherwise terrible existence. Bro, I am down. The news is just, I'm low. Get me up. I, I wish I could. There's really <laughs> nothing to, to be updating you about. I mean, I thought the climate thing that, you know, I wasn't going to get through that, but the Afghanistan and then Haiti mm-hmm. earthquake. Mm-hmm. Earthquakes and sad. countries falling and oh, it's, it's a good re- time to it's, be alive. It's just really wild when you think about that so much of your life where you're like i did this or that it's like no you didn't it was like a coin toss of where you were born and then the rest kind of falls into place so i wouldn't even call it a coin toss it's more like a game of craps you just throw out the dice and you hope that you get something and i'm a and i'm a cooler so i don't know how i made it this far because when it comes to the (laughs) she is william h macing all over everything it's true i'm terrible at the casino don't go near me there is a there is a reference five (laughs) people out there that's true um but I will say, you know, I'm having a hard time kind of focusing on shows and movies, but I am still finding solace in books, which makes me very happy. Oh, well, that's good because there's it's 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 rough out there in TV show land. Let me tell you. Well, there's there's some stuff. We'll get into it. I just started a new show yesterday um, that as it finishes, we're going to have to talk about that. Nine Perfect Strangers. I have not even where heard Nicole of that. Kidman is like a Russian guru. Oh, the All first right. episode was good, but anyway, it, it's many, on Hulu right now. Everywhere is trying to get me to watch The White Lotus, and I just want to like look in their face and like get. Here's out of the my thing: way. I watch Succession, and that's my terrible rich people show, and I do not need another terrible yeah. rich people show. I'm good with one. As I have said numerous times on this show, you know what I don't want to watch in my fantasy? <laughs> A show about terrible rich white people having minor problems. Yeah. You know what? I don't need to watch it. HBO yeah, but their minor the problems involve their billions of dollars. Oh. But no, Succession, I can't lie. That show's oh. amazing. Oh, let's make a show where, where Steve Zahn's going to be depressed and he's somehow talking to Alexandra Daddario without starting on that's reality. Oh, wow, Jacob. God. You know what? I hear Jacob, Steve, whoa. There is some Steve's on. You, you know, and Steve's on. You got to chill on the Steve's on. He is so harmless. Look, look. you, you try to watch uh, Riding in Cars with Boys and not really hate this guy. That, Maybe that you shouldn't you watch a teenage girl movie in your old age here. We're going to move on from it, Steve's on. Jacob, I was trying get... to bring up good things. <laughs> See, let the fl- stop. We have Back found the, tr- the flow. We have found the true terror in this world, and it is Steve Zahn. Oh everybody. my gosh! <laughs> anyway, I was trying to talk about books. I was trying to set up the episode. You want to play? You want to play ball here? Yeah. Um, but for real, books have always been an escape for people, and I think that's why you know we always see people in the library. The ebooks are wild. We need a story to escape to, and then there is definitely a very dedicated subset of readers who especially love books about books. Books about books. Okay, so think like metafiction that features like books within a book 
or maybe nonfiction books about the power of reading or historical novels about courageous librarians through the years or, you know, even occasional mystery or horror plots that kind of... Oh, that's right, guys. We're going into full never-ending story mode with this episode exactly. this week. Never-ending story, your princess brides. We know what we're doing here. And I love, I love both of those stories so much. <laughs> so if that sort of reading appeals to you, you will like today's episode, um, which is kind of a catalog of books about books in a variety of genres. And all of these have been published since... January 2020, so we're trying to keep it kind of fresh. So mm -hmm. you might not hear some of those favorites, like Shadow of the Wind, best book, but we're moving forward. Little little uh, hint there, everybody. Go pick up Shadow of the Wind. Oh, it's such a good book. Um, okay, you want to do that? All right, you let's do good? it. All right, I'm going to start with one that's probably the most popular on this list that you've heard of, or maybe you've picked up, but The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. You heard about it? I have not heard about it actually. Lame. So what it's about is that like somewhere out beyond the edge of the universe, okay, okay. there is a library right. and it contains an infinite number of books. Each one is the story of another reality. So oh. one book tells the story of your life as it is, um, along with another book for the other life you could have lived if you had made a different choice at any point in your life. You know, and I think that's a huge theme of we all wonder how our lives might have been. And it's like, what if you had the chance to go to the library and see for yourself, would any of these other lives be better? Oh, what a what a horrifying and metaphy uh, metaphysical ex exercise. I mean, is. I mean, kind of. So in the Midnight Library, Nora Seed finds herself faced with this decision. She's faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one following maybe a different career or undoing old breakups or re realizing her dreams, you know, as a child of being a glaciologist. Like, who knows? We think of all sorts of weird things. So she's kind of searching within herself as she travels through the Midnight Library to decide what is truly fulfilling in life and kind of what makes it worth living in the first place. That's a cool idea. Man. I read this like, book. It was great. I'm not going to lie. There's some like gaps where if you think too hard about it, it can unravel. Just don't. Just read the book and really enjoy the journey. I am all about getting into multiversal stuff, man. I, I yeah. got to catch up on Loki. There's a bunch of stuff that is involved in that lately. So I am tuned in with that. Okay, cool. Oh. I, I mean, it's definitely a good book. There's a reason. It is made to be a movie. It's going to be a well, movie for I, sure. I feel like pretty much every book that's written today is either written to be a TV show or a movie or something or other. Like well, nothing's just good a book for them. Anymore. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can do it. It's like, oh, whatever happened to just being a great book? You know what I mean? I mean, I do, because they realize more people watch <laughs> movies and TV shows, maybe. Well, that's true. That I is where know. the money is. Okay, what do you have? All right, so the first one I'm going to go with here is, uh, if you've been a fan of the show for a long time, you know that I enjoy me some Southern Vampire uh, <laughs> some southern vampire novels. Read all of those Sookie Sackhouse True, Bo True Blood books. Oh, yeah, that's right, you did. Amazingly enough. Um, so I found another one that is actually along that same... That same thing there. So it is called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Solid title. It's a great title. It tells you exactly what you're about to deal with. So basically what it is, it's set in the 90s. We have our suburban housewife, Patricia Campbell. She has, you know, her normal, boring housewife life with the one... I mean... 
your opinion. Yeah. Well, okay, in my opinion, but I think it's also kind of posited in the book that you know. Okay, it's maybe if it's going to be in the crummy. book, it's an extremely difficult job. I could assume that's why people get frustrated with. Oh, it. Oh, sure. But her one outlet in her other ways mundane life is her book club that focuses on true crime stuff. So along with four of her buddies who are also kind of using this to kind of break up the doldrums, they enjoy, you know, reading a book every week, kind of getting in on what it's going on. Okay. They're like watching A&E, or I assume that's what they're doing in their spare time since that's where all the true crime stuff sure. is. Um, but then they find out that all of a sudden they have a new neighbor named James who might end up being a vampire. <laughs> so then it turns into this little group of ladies trying to decide how to deal with this vampire, how to slay him, or how to live side by side with him. I get a hint of Fright Night in the description, which I am all about if we're going to try to rip something off. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you're a fan of vampire books, if you like horror books, if you just like, you know... Books about books. Books about <laughs> books. This is one to go check out. I always like the idea, and another one, like you said, set up to be a TV show or a movie. Because when you just have something that's, um, their whole basic premise is a group of women kind of coming together as a team to fight some supernatural force. I mean, it writes itself. You can I mean, I bet their no reading of true crime books is going to really assist them. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's going like to come that. in. In Act 3, they're going to be like, wait a minute, according to this Dexter Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, okay, this one is kind of a huge book going to be has potential to be cloud cuckoo land by anthony Doerr. he is the author of the hugely popular book all the light we cannot see okay um i recognize that title i did not read it but oh that was that was a very 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 beautiful book um but anyway cloud cuckoo land follows five characters whose stories despite spanning nearly six centuries are bound together by their mutual love for a single book. Okay. Love it. So we got Anna. She lives in an embroidery house in 15th century Constantinople. She is recruited to raid an old library where she finds valuable ancient manuscripts. Okay. And then we have Omir. He lives with his grandfather in a remote region, and he and his oxen are conscripted into the Ottoman army to help pull a large cannon for an attack on Constantinople. And then Anna and Omir's stories eventually intersect in the book. I don't wanna okay. I don't wanna give that away. And then we have Seymour. He lives in current times in Idaho. He is distraught when a forest that he loves is destroyed in order to construct a housing development. Some real life stuff there. Yeah. He becomes an environmental activist. And then we have Zeno is an amateur translator and a former soldier in the Korean War. He is working with children performing Cloud Cuckoo Land in the local library. And then Seymour and Zeno's stories are going to converge. Okay. And then the last one is Constance, who's on a spaceship traveling to what will become a new human settlement on a remote planet. She becomes trapped in a vault with access to a virtual library. And then the narratives are all woven together, kind of patchwork style, and that ancient manuscript from the beginning plays a role in all five stories. That's pretty cool. So man. if you kind of like that back and forth and different things that are going to tie together, I liked that the book was dedicated to the librarians then, now, and in the years to come. Hey, that's um, you. That's that's right. But it's really a beautiful kind of redemptive novel um, about stewardship of a book and I'd say of the earth. One can only hope that somebody is out there 
like digitizing all the books out there, like getting. I them mean, on someone's some doing of, that. I would hope That's so. That's being worked on. That seems like if they're not working on it, that is a huge oversight. And I also bet you that probably like Zane Books and uh, like Tolkien are still like the number one and two checked out books in the virtual library like 600 years from now. I think if you loved All the Light We Cannot See, I think this is definitely a different book, so consider that, but he's definitely an excellent writer, so check out something maybe a little weird. Hey, spreading his wings a little bit, man. Spreading the wings. Follow him up, man. Give the guy some confidence, (laughs) knows he's not screwing up doing it. Okay. You're such a weirdo. What do you have? (laughs) All right, the next one I got is called The Plot by John Hamp Korlitz. Korlitz? I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Sorry ahead of time. If I got it wrong. So this book has been hailed as breathtakingly suspenseful and a propulsive read about a story too good not to steal and the man who steals it. Dun, dun, dun. I know. I like that. So this book, so uh, Jacob Finch Bonner. Hey, I like the guy's name. He was a promising author who is now teaching a third rate MFA program Mm -hmm. in some college somewhere. Okay. He runs into an old student of his uh, named Evan Parker, who starts going on and on about this awesome idea for a new book that he has that is just going to be lighting up the world. And then he finds out a couple of days later that without finishing it, uh, old Evan, he kind of died. So now there's this awesome idea for a book that this guy is the only person that knows. Uh You can kind of see where this is going. So the guy guy takes the idea, writes the book, becomes a huge hit, and then he gets secret windowed because all of a sudden a note, an email comes to him that says, you are a thief. So then he's got to figure out who's writing to him, who knows what he did. Is he just imagining it? What's going on here? Oh, man. So it's going to kind of like a story about like, this guy's guilt should he even have any guilt like what like ideas about the stories like so stealing did he information? steal the story or he stole like most of the book and just wrote the ending i'm pretty sure the way they described it was he, he like um, came with the idea and then wrote, okay, the, well. wrote the book like the guy told me the entire story and then died and then this guy's like i'm gonna write the book i mean sure technically i don't think he did but anything he should, wrong man. he should have been like i dedicated to this guy for giving me the idea yeah bob jones Something. got hit by a meteor before he could write this book <laughs> Um, but yeah, like that seems like another one that's just a cool premise. Um, I, I, I'm one of the few people in the world who actually liked Secret Window. So if we got something else that's kind of aping off that idea of the hidden protagonist is coming that the, by. I don't, is that a Johnny Depp movie? Yeah, the Ash stole, You yeah, Stole My think, Story. I don't think I was. John, John Turturro doing well. a Mississippi accent and wearing a hat the whole movie. Now, you sign me up for that. <laughs> Okay. Um, but the plot, man, go check it out. It seems like it's going to be a cool little book. All right, I like that. So this one, this is a really beautiful book. Um, I've had my hands on this, and I love it. It's called Ex Libris, 100 Books to Read and Reread by Michiko Katutani. Nailed it. So this is a Pulitzer Prize-winning literary critic. That's who Katutani is, and she shares 100 personal and really thought-provoking essays about books that have mattered to her and that help illuminate the world that we live in today. And it just has beautiful illustrations throughout. So in the introduction, um, Kakutani writes, in a world riven by political and social divisions, literature can connect people across time zones and zip codes, across cultures and religions, 
national boundaries, and historical eras. It can give us an understanding of lives very different from our own and a sense of the shared joys and losses of human experience. Doesn't that sound beautiful? It sounds lovely. It sounds like actually something I might want to read. Oh, yeah. No, it's a really lovely book. And then you kind of discover novels and memoirs by some of the most gifted writers working today. There are favorite classics that are worth reading reading and rereading. There's nonfiction works. Um, there's old stuff and new stuff. Like I said, stuff that kind of illuminate our social and political landscape. Um, really gets into the pressing issues of today, like climate change and medicine to the consequence of digital innovation. There are essential works in here, um, like stuff from the Federalist Papers and the writing and speeches of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, there's stuff that Talks about the cultural dynamics, like we talked about last time, that sixth extinction book. There, they mentioned Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. There's children's literature like uh, Harry Potter and Where the Wild Things Are. Of course, so, I'm sure they had a whole chapter on the sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. So the the illustrations are so richly detailed and beautiful. The lettering artist, um, I believe her name is Dana... Tanamachi, and that they really evoke those vintage book plates. Like that's how she's drawing everything. It's really, really beautiful, and it is an impassioned reminder of why reading matters more than ever right now. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's one of those things that when you get into some of the best books that people there's too many people that are going around pretending that they've read some kind of books. Lately, Is I, that a thing? It, <laughs> the Jacob Hot how, Take. How many times have you heard people misquote or completely misunderstand like 1984 lately and like what Big Brother is all about? That's like, actually people true. People have no idea. That's they true just, because people don't read the book. They, they read, didn't read memes the book. They, about they, it. They watched the, the HBO movie or they watched or they heard it on TV. Somebody mentioned it. They completely misrepresented what it's about and they don't know what sure. they're talking about. So Fahrenheit 451 is another big version of that where people just... E- That's got to be really tough for authors that are living that are like, you know, you didn't understand it correctly. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, it's got to be the worst part of being an author. Like when you actually write something that has a point and then nobody gets it, they get it wrong. But maybe that's part of the journey. Maybe, maybe. you're like, we well, want people to interpret the way that they interpret it. Maybe. And then maybe some authors are like, that was a very yeah, obvious was, point. Yeah, that was, you completely blew it you somehow. Are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always good when you get like the, the ones that are seemed as essential. The stuff that like like nineteen eighty four fair stuff you should have read, everybody. Like these are important books you sure. should have at least have some kind of cursory some knowledge are about. Classics for a reason. Yeah, there's a reason that people are still reading them like wow. two hundred years later. Jacob, you could just be an English teacher mm-hmm. right here. What else is it's, on it's your the, list? Uh, it's the all-black shirt, man. It it's really a black is. Shirt in the tie. Very profesh. <laughs> all right, so the next one I'm going to go with, I'm going to go international with this one. Wow. It is the sixth best-selling book of 2020 in Australia. So be impressed oh, man, by that as much as you that's can. That's tough. <laughs> um, okay, so it's called The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. Love the name, by the way, guy. Yeah, Pip. That's, that's great. Um, so... It was described as a combining storytelling scale and intimate detail of a 19th century novel with the sensibilities of now on how to tell a story. Okay. So it's kind of a weird, you know, kind of a tale you don't hear anymore. So Esme's mom, who's the lead character in this, she died and she lives with her dad. Okay. Her and her dad live in a scriptorium where James Murray and his lexicographers, oh my God, 
I do not know how to sell, say that Lexicographer? word. Lexicographer? There you go. See, you got the L I word. mean, I'm well, assuming. <laughs> um, they're compiling the Oxford English Dictionary. So you know it's going to be just a barrel of monkeys and all sure. kinds of fun there. So over time while living there and, you know, it's, you get to learn something about it, Esme starts to notice that the words that they're putting in the dictionary, they're kind of omitting words that are in common use at the time, as well as sort of ignoring words that have more of a feminine slant to them or hmm. that have been developed by women or describe women. And the books are kind of seeming, to, the dictionary is setting up to be more of a masculine kind of view. Interesting. Kind of focusing on Not old surprising, language. but interesting. Yeah. So it's a kind of a tale about how she is kind of growing up and questioning, like, why is this how we're doing it? If, like, especially in this particular instance, um, this is supposed to be a book about the English language. That's literally what words are and what they mean. And why are some words getting omitted? And why are these guys picking the ones they are? And how come they're sticking to mostly male instead of female instead of including everybody? Hmm. So it's a nice little book about like the creation. Like, Think about that. There was a time where somebody had to sit down and write the entire dictionary word for word and just assume that they got all the words right. Oh, you've never read The Professor and the Madman by oh, Simon I, Winchester. Oh, I have not. Is there a oh, book? That's, that's a nonfiction up? story about the creation of the Oxford English Dictionary. Spoiler alert, most of the words that were submitted were from um, an insane murderer who was locked up in prison. Shocking. <laughs> but it's Shocking. Pretty, it's pretty awesome. Well, where do you think you get words from Bob Denagian from? Like only a madman would come up with some <laughs> kind of word like that. It's um, a perfectly cromulent word. but <laughs> <laughs> And they didn't come up with cromulent? Come on, guys. Um, but yeah, Dictionary of Lost Words. Go check it out. It's a debut novel, so if this guy's able to knock out some good historical fiction, and I'm a man who enjoys some historical fiction, you know, you know he's got a future going ahead. Yeah, so. that sounds that sounds super good. This next book is by an author, uh, Casey Lehman. The book is called Long Division. Uh, Casey had a memoir that came out a few years ago called Heavy. That was well. I mean, it was really heavy. Yeah, it like maybe. had a lot to it. It was very emotional. Um, so he's a, an excellent writer. And this book is kind of written with two interwoven stories, which kind of a theme in these books within books. The first story is in 2013, and it's after an onstage meltdown during a nationally televised quiz contest. Uh-oh. And there's 14-year-old... Um, this kid's called City Coldson. He becomes an overnight YouTube celebrity. Not, not in a good way. <laughs> never, yeah. never good when you're an overnight YouTube celebrity. Not at all. So then the next day, he is sent to stay with his grandmother in the small coastal community where a young girl named Baze Shepherd has recently disappeared. But before leaving, City is given this strange book without an author, and it's called Long Division. And he learns that one of the book's main characters is also named City Coldson. But Long Division is set in 1985. And the 1985 version of City, along with his friend and love interest, discover a way to travel into the future and steal a laptop and cell phone from an orphaned teenage rapper Okay. (laughs) called Bayes Shepard. That's the name of the girl who's missing in 2013. So all all in all, they ultimately take these items with them all the way back to 1964 to help another time traveler they meet protect his family from the Ku Klux Klan. This makes way more sense when you are reading it seems a little book. It seems a little jumpy in the description, but my ears perked up a little bit. Yeah, the two stories, they ultimately converge um, 
well, in the work shed behind the grandma's house. But, you know, they really kind of work things out. Um, it's a really interesting really smart and funny and sharp novel like I said Casey Lehman can really write um and it kind of shows I think that the general point is like the work that young black Americans must do while living under the shadow of a history that they are only trying to understand themselves and they're trying to kind of fill in the blanks. But yeah, definitely check out Long Division. That is impressive, man. How a kid from the 80s or the 60s heads don't melt when they see like a cell phone or a laptop is. I guess the 80s kids will kind of know what it was, but like you go back to the 60s, like they're like, no, thank you. Yeah. Set off some nuclear codes with this that This is confusing. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next one I got is a book that I know for a fact relates to Michelle Oh, uh, 100%. Oh, boy. It is called I Will Judge You by Your Bookshelf by Grant <laughs> Snyder. If there's one thing I know Michelle will do is when she walks into a room, she's like, let me see them books. What, what do you got on this I don't want to be that person, but it might be true. I have seen it. That's a graphic novel. Very cute. <laughs> the one time Michelle was in my house, she immediately walked out because she looked at my bookshelf and she saw not only three, but more than three wrestling biographies on there. And she's like, I can't be in this house. I feel disgusted. The truth of the matter is I'm too afraid to step foot into Jacob's <laughs> house. I survival first. Uh, that's probably wise. Uh, it's going to be a real, like, don't breathe situation coming in. <laughs> All right. So uh, this book, it's no, it says, uh, the description of it is, it's no secret that we are judged by our bookshelves. Um, but we learn to read at an early age. And as we grow older, we shed our beloved books for new ones. But some of us surround ourselves with books that we like throughout our entire life. Yeah, it's sitting a little, that's, little too close to home here for Michelle. That's correct. Uh, so this one basically, uh, it goes around. It's like we collect these books. We use them to decorate our house. But what do these books actually say about us? Like what does our collection and the books that we decide to keep, what does it say about us? And they really do. They really it, do it, they describe really do. you. You can tell a lot about people okay. by the books they have around their house. Are they a horror guy? Do they got a lot of sci-fi going on? Sure. Are they maybe like, are they all political thrillers up there? Is it Grisham and Clancy? You can tell, you can walk in a room if you see nothing but Grisham and Clancy. Probably want to get out of that room. I mean, they're just taking it easy with their reading. No judgments here. So taking it easy with an 800-page <laughs> tome about military thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you ever, I mean, the way that it does tell it really solve a lot about a people when you see the kind of books they read, and it also dives into like their personalities. Like, why do some people collect these books? What does like bookishness? Like, what is the definition of that? What yeah. does that do to describe people? Why do some? Why do these people hold these books in such esteem? Like, why do they go back and read the same ones over and over and over again? It gets into all these, and these are good um, questions to ask for people that love reading. So, especially in graphic novel form, so you're just getting right. like pages of illustration and kind of a question, and you get to look at all different book spines, which I love, and then you can be like, I have that, I've read that. Yeah, see, Missy Michelle knows. She man, she's like, you just tick them off the old book, man. You just. I just can't help it. I, I do. I love books. They're my house I, is practically built out of them. When we were doing the uh, the podcast during the pandemic, um, like when I was sitting on the porch. Oh yeah, you those can. lovely days. I was looking inside. Well, you've been in. I mean, we've watched Nick Cage movies. Yeah, in there. but like I've always like looked longingly at that bookshelf because there's like three walls full of books, and you're just like, I got to get rid of some of them. Like why? We did. We had a yard sale this summer, and I sold a couple hundred, but it didn't. It didn't Cup, really make a big dent. Couple. Hundred. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, okay, this will probably be the last one since we're out of time. This book, oh, there's just so many on here. Which one do I pick? I'm going to do The Reading List. This is by Sarah Nisha Adams. Friend of the show. This is also a uh, a debut book. 
and I'd say it's really unforgettable. It's heartwarming. Okay. Um, we have a chance encounter with a list of library books that helps forge an unlikely friendship between two very different people in a London suburb. Okay. Um, like and again, I love these. These these stories are so much about the books are bringing um, people together. So this starts with widow widower. Mukesh, he lives a quiet life in Wembley. This is in West London mm -hmm. after losing his beloved wife. Very sad. He shops every Wednesday. He goes to temple. He worries about his granddaughter Priya, who really just hides in her room reading um, all the time. And he just spends his evenings watching nature documentaries. That's pretty much his existence at this point. Okay. And then we have Alicia, who is a bright but really anxious teenager and she's working at the local library for the summer when she discovers a crumpled up piece of paper uh -oh. in the back of To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, see? And it is a list of novels that she has never heard of before. So she's really intrigued and she's, you know, a little bored working. Um, and so she impulsively decides to read every book that's on this list, just, you know, okay. one after another. I like that. And... As each story kind of gives up its magic, the books transport Alicia from the painful realities that she's facing at home, the whole purpose of books. So then when Mukesh arrives at the library, he's really desperate to form a connection with his bookworm granddaughter that he, you know, he's not really spending time with. Alicia passes along this reading list hoping that it will be a lifeline for him to, to kind of connect to Priya. And then slowly these shared books create a connection between two lonely souls as the fiction really helps them escape their grief and everyday troubles and to find joy again. Okay. That's why it's the perfect book to end this episode on because it's really what we're saying. Like it's, it's tough out there um, and there might be things that you don't understand and, you know, you can come to the library. We'll help you found, find a title that will help you, you know, understand or grapple, you know, what you're dealing with. You, you walk in that door, we're going to throw a copy of Name of the Wind at your head and be like, you need to read this book and the sequel. Oh, I can't even recommend it to people because he's never going to write the third book and it's just cruel. But anyway, that is for another day. <laughs> Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So everything that we talked about on today's episode actually will be available at your local library. We have 37 branches all over Erie County, so stop on by to your closest one, say hi, pick up something to read, and see if it could transport you to some other lands or you get to make some new friends. Uh, you can also have to check us out stuff out on the website at www.buffalolib.org. Come check out your uh, account, see what we have coming in, see what programs we got going on, all that fun stuff. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod and let us know what kind of books you are checking out at this time. Yeah, I'm terrible on Twitter. I'm going to admit it right now. I do apologize. Anyway, interesting stuff. Did you know that authors' names didn't used to be printed on the covers of their books? Uh, no, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, so the covers of the first printed books were considered artworks. Like, they were really beautiful. They were covered in drawings or leather, sometimes well, even gold. So there wasn't a place for the author's name. Well, I mean, it was the Bible. Like, the, <laughs> there were <laughs> probably the first one. They've changed over time. <laughs> um, I also love, we've. I think we've talked about this before, but President Theodore Roosevelt supposedly read one book every day. Really? I don't know when he was present, yeah. probably, but... You probably want to do some work there, yeah, guys. Like, focus on, on your on job. Um, Icelandic people read more than anyone else. Really? Yes, they have the highest reading. So I don't know if it's just the weather and they're like... 
indoors, but yeah, I mean, or maybe good? they're just sitting in front of that beautiful everywhere. Yeah, just hanging out in Husavik, listening to Yaya Ding Dong and reading their <laughs> no, books. Don't you, don't you <laughs> dare! Um, did you know that the fear of running out of something to read is called a bibliophobia? That's a real thing. Uh, I did not know that. Like, I, why would you have that fear when you have places like the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library available I really don't to know. you all the time? It's, that's really weird. We, we have, should be able to eliminate that. We have ebooks available for just that situation. Right now, they're just ready for you. And last one, a study found that you are two and a half times less likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's in later life if you read regularly. Oh, man, I'm done for. I'm staring down. That's my. They had right no there. facts about how much wrestling you watch. Okay. We, we all we all know that what it does it increases the effect, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure to check out some books. Find an escape. Thank you, and we will catch you next time. Bye.